Let's Get Two presents Go, Go Astros! Go, Go Astros! A focus on H-Town Hardball. And now it's Alvarez. So they get Altuve going. Can they get the same from their big left-handed slugger? In the air the other way. Schwarber goes back onto the track. He's at the wall and it's off it. The Astros all over things right away. How about three straight doubles and a 2-0 lead? Double your pleasure at Minute Maid Park. Three in a row. And the Astros come out banging. That's right. It is our Halloween episode. Brian Arbor is here. Is it spooky up there in New York, Brian? It is always spooky in New York. There are Yankee fans everywhere. I see dead people. There's one, and there's one. Uh, Brian, two World Series games. Uh, I'll start off by saying um, I joked in our pre-talk that I was going to have you talk me off the ledge. I'm not a ledge, on a ledge at all. I had the Astros in six, in part because I saw them splitting one of the first two games. I feel like two aces going. Um, we'll get to game one and how it turned out differently than I thought. But also, I figured you're not sweeping in Philadelphia. I think you can win two of three. Um, overall, before we get into it, where are you as far as confidence level and how the series is playing out? Yeah, I had the Astros in six with Framber Valdez as the MVP. So, so far, that's still, that's still working out, right? That could, uh, that could work for me. Um, from a 30,000 foot standpoint, a split at home is, you know, it's baseball. These are coin flips. Um, you know, that's fine. The Astros are a better team. They have a particular advantage in games three and four, because uh, they have better starting pitching going than the Phillies. So from that standpoint, but of course, being up five, nothing in game one, and then blowing the lead is really what's, you know, driving us crazy. Yeah, that's the, that's, let's just jump into that too, because obviously a lot of things happened. The most obvious being um, Verlander being very un-Verlander, but it's going to be a frustrating situation if for some reason, the Astros don't win this series because if any one of four things, not all four things, mm-hmm. any one of four things go the Astros way. You talk about luck a lot and how luck is a part of the game. Uh, there was luck on Castellanos' catch. There was luck for the Phillies on Verlander not catching the line drive. Um, does that change the optics for you a lot, knowing that actually if anything goes the way it's gone all season, you're actually up 2-0? Or is it time to just kind of put that aside and focus on 3, 4, and 5? I mean, I think it's time to put that aside. And we should analyze the game and talk about it. Um, but we should, you know, talk about three, four, and five. Verlander's coming up again in game five. So probably more nervous about that. He's had two bad starts out of his last three, but he's still Justin Verlander. He's still the guy who's going to win the Cy Young Award this year. He's still, you know, a Hall of Fame level pitcher who still seems to be at the top of his game. And the last time he came out with a bad start, he came back and had an excellent start in game one of the um, American League, of the American League Championship Series. So there's every reason to think that he'll do that again. Yeah, we'll get to game five in a second. I know we're also going to be talking about it as we get to it. But uh, one of the things that I did take the positive out of uh, game one is you hit Aaron Nola. You scored five runs on him. Talk a little bit about how important it is to really tell the world that even your best isn't quite good enough against this lineup. Yeah. And then they did the same thing again in game two with Zach Wheeler, who there's some perspective that Noah's the best pitcher on the Phillies. There's some perspective that's Wheeler, regardless, they're their two best pitchers. They're their two best aces and the Astros have scored uh, 10 runs off the pair of them. Um, so a, 
you know, they don't win these games without, they don't win game two without that. They're not in game one without it. Um, and two, it should give them, they'll be a little bit more familiar with them later on in the series, um, in addition to having hit them really well. And frankly, I think the plan they had against Wheeler, you know, being so aggressive and getting pitches in the strike zone to drive in game one, uh, represents that they had a real good job scouting him. They had a real good job set up by the hitting coaches and by the other front office person, the scouts and the other front office personnel who are analyzing Philly's pitching and how to take advantage of that. One, a lot has been made, though, of no runs against the bullpen. How much of that, because the bullpen is not a strength of theirs, uh, how much of that, though, is going to still bear itself out in a seven-game season once we're more familiar with those guys, to your point tonight, is largely going to probably be a bullpen game for them tonight and, quite frankly, potentially tomorrow uh, with them starting a guy who's already thrown and who's a rookie. So how much of that is, do you think that advantage still has time to play out in the series? Yeah, um, you know, each time it happens, right, each time the Phillies bring out someone who's not in their top, essentially, four arms, hey, the advantage should be with the Astros offense. Will it bear out every at-bat and every inning? No, that's what we've seen so far. Will it bear out? Definitely. No, because that's baseball. Is it likely to bear out? Yes. Oh, yeah, I mean, totally. Um, I hate to be the guy that, 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 sharp shoots the manager and we've tried not to do that on this on this um show and i'm not even going to blame him for pulling for not pulling verlander i can see the idea of one you think Verlander's going to get it back and you don't want to jump into your bullpen too early in game one the stanic over garcia decision does loom a little questionable now you've written a bunch about how uh stanic hasn't necessarily been our best reliever that his numbers have been a little misleading, but also that uh, Luis Garcia did have that start against Seattle. Uh, just a little bit about that. What were your thoughts when that happened? And do you feel like going back, he would have actually made a different decision? Yeah. I mean, so I've said that Ryan Stanick is our fifth best reliever. And well, that was the time for the fifth reliever. They'd used the top four relievers already. Um, I mean, there are two things you can question about that move. One is, should they have kept Presley and more? And that's a little bit more of, I don't, want to, I don't want to wear the guy out in game one, but obviously game one's there for the taking at that point. So it's a little bit sort of different sort of calculation. Of course, they had him available for game two and he pitched, you know, error notwithstanding, pitched a good inning um, in game two. Um, the other thing would could you have Stanek or Garcia? What he said is that their sort of matchup sheet, and you saw this, they brought Stanek in to face the lefties by the time they got down to that part of the order. Um, they brought him in to face sort of left-handed hitters, so they saw sort of Garcia's better against righties, which is what his number shows, and his cutter is usually effective against righties. It just wasn't on that one pitch to Real Muto. But I'm going to disagree with you, James, because I think the bigger mistake was leaving Verlander into it. Okay. And I think it's – you made the case for it, and it's sort of understandable, but the third time through the order penalty comes for us all. Sure. And that's – true for Hall of Fame level pitchers, for great pitchers. Usually you kind of blow through it because, you know, them being, you know, 80 to 90% is different, you know, is a pretty high level. But when you have a high quality and deep bullpen, and when you still have, you know, it's the beginning of a series, but still only seven games most left in your season, and you have a big chance to seize game one and make it potentially one less game in the series, 
Yeah, I think Dusty Baker should have been much more aggressive. I wasn't surprised that he stuck with Verlander, both from the sense of he has trust with Verlander because he's a dude, but also because, you know, he did the same thing in the previous game they played in game four of the American League Championship Series where Lance McCullers looked shaky early, let him go third time through the order, got five innings out of him. And I mean, he gave up a run, but they got it back. Um, but, you know, was able to dance through the raindrops in that. So I suspect he'll do the same thing tonight. I'm uh, worried that he'll do the same thing tonight. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess to your point too, um, when, you, when you're five out, you're basically five, what, five innings away from a win, mm-hmm. knowing you need to, again, beat one of these aces. Yeah. You don't necessarily have to beat both of them. Yeah, I guess I see your point that if you, you, you figure you've got a bullpen that's six or seven really good arms deep, mm-hmm. just throw them all an inning and we go home with a win. So, yeah, I, I, good point. And I, I do think um, that that's the nature of baseball where we can point to any one of those moments. Um, a good a good friend of the show, uh, Paul Caputo, he said, I, if you would have told me we would have won a game with, with was it Dave Robertson pitching and Castellanos making a defensive play? Yeah. He never would have believed him. So, yeah. um, you know, again, that's baseball. It's also the nature of baseball, right? That the defensive advantage stands of the Astros are a much better defensive team. It didn't bear out in game one. They weren't able to make and hasn't borne out that much through the series. They haven't been able to make as many plays. And the Phillies, you know, got the great play from Castellanos, which seemed unlikely, but, uh, you know, unlikely things happen all the time in baseball. They do. Um, I guess be, before we move out of game one, um, just what worries you about the offense coming out of that game and what are you encouraged by? Um, I guess the most encouraging thing is that Jose Altuve is looking like Jose Altuve. Um, and I guess the worrisome thing is that, you know, they're not, yeah, they haven't gotten anything off the sort of they haven't gotten anything off the bullpen. And frankly, in game one, they struck out even more than the Phillies, which is not what I'd answer, not what you know they'd done throughout the season. So they corrected that a little bit more in game two. But again, one key is can they make contact and they put balls in play? Because that puts pressure on the bad Phillies defense. Maybe they'll make a play like Nick Castellanos did, but the more you force them to do that, the yeah. less likely they are to do it. Man, I thought that ball was gonna bounce and we would have just Oh yeah, it would have been a whole different, whole different thing. But you roll into game two, uh, and the Astros. I think it's a pretty dominating performance. I think five to two, with outside of two swings of the bat, Philly never even felt like it was that close, in my opinion. Talk a little bit about. I want to talk about Fromber first, and then we'll talk about Zach Wheeler. But Fromber just, he's become the stopper, right? Like he's become the guy. Yeah, and. We have watched, right, this guy go from a, you know, well, he's always been nervous and fidgety on the mound, right? But that, when he started, reflected the, I don't know how this is going to go, that was in our minds and in his mind. Um, And one of the things that he's improved, the quality and development of his pitches, but most importantly, he's developed more mentally. You know, they have mental skills coaches, they have a sports psychologist he's worked with, and that fact seems to be that very little bothers him on the mound now. He gives you this sort of you know, much more mature and professional approach on the ground, on the mound. And he had really the ideal of a Fromber Valdez game. He got um, nine outs via strikeout, and I believe uh, nine outs via ground out. And Including a very key double play in yeah. there. He almost can get those when he wants them. Yeah, he got two double plays, and those were at one, the 
highest leverage moment he faced in the game, which was when they were only up three nothing, and he let the leadoff runner hit single on the fifth. He got Veerling to ground out, and then he had two on and got the Harper uh, the Harper grounded a double play. The only time they got two runners on on him, so they came at the right moments for him. And again, part of that too, keep him off the bases. He had nine strikeouts that he they, you know they couldn't make a lot of contact, and when they did, they hit it right in the ground. Uh, and I know a lot of people that are watching right now think, wow, this is a lot of numbers and X's and O's. Don't worry about it. We're getting to drama before we get there. Now, you're a Philly fan. Put put, put your Philly fan hat on, which I think means lowering your vocabulary and up. Can I get the Michael Myers back? Yeah, you want the Michael Myers mask back? Yeah. Um, one of the things about Zach Wheeler's performance uh, is that he did, he was dropping velo. And um, he dropped velo, needed an extra day's worth day of rest. If you're a Philly fan, are you worried about health when it comes to him in this case? Yeah. I mean, he's trying to think. He pitched in the World Series with the Mets, but hasn't pitched this deep into a season before. So, you know, I think there's a level of concern there that, you know, we we saw this last year, right, where the Astros pitchers, by the time they got to the World Series, really seemed to be, both in the ALCS and the World Series last year, really seemed to be you know, emptying the tank into the bottom of the reservoir. And that may be the case for Wheeler. He's also a really good pitcher. So, you know, if we could win three in Philly and not have to uh, face him again, I wouldn't object. <laughs> From your lips to, to God's ears. Uh, last thing on sort of the X and O's part of this, Altuve. Um, I think the, the moment where he felt back was him swinging at a ball at his eyes, which first I was like, no, no, no. And then, of course, in Altuve fashion, he hit that ball, got a base hit out of it. Um, what I love about this guy is, though, is you really can never tell whether he's uh, hitting or not. He's such a, a team player with a positive attitude. And I think he's really – I think that's what they mean when they say as Altuve goes, the Astros go. I don't even think it necessarily means approach. Approach. I think it means state of mind. Yeah. No, I, I think that's that's a big part of it. I mean, look, if your leadoff hitter gets on base a whole bunch and hits with power like Altuve does, your offense is going to be – be good so he's a key in his performance but the thing about Altuve right is he always seems to be the ideal of what we teach like 12 year olds how to you know how to think about baseball which is do right for your team don't think about yourself think about what you know about making the right play uh be a selfish not a selfish player and think about what's best for the team he's never anyone who makes drama he's never anyone who makes it about himself except, of course, when he hits the ball really hard and makes nice plays in the field. He does more often, does a lot. All right, Brian, so I had a tweet uh, last night, and I've been, I've been trying to stay off Twitter. I've actually deleted it from my phone, so I have to go through the browser. But I said I kind of miss playing Atlanta fan and Yankee fan when it comes to high-stakes games. And I think in part because maybe they know baseball better. I don't know what it is. But to have – both Philly fan and Philly media running with two conspiracy theories that even the national media is saying, whoa, let's first talk about the bat. Um, the bat that uh, Maldonado borrowed from Albert Pujols. First of all, if we could borrow some of his production too, I would take it. Um, but yeah, the bat. That, his speed. Yeah, just <laughs> anything. But yeah, um, they played together. They're apparently close friends. Maldonado made a very, seems to be a very clerical mistake as far as getting a bat that if he had started before 2010, he could use, but he started before at 2011. 
But yet, no matter what's happening, including Philly, actual reputable media is running with the whole idea that the Astros are cheating again. Um, between that and we're going to get to the Fromber thing in a minute, but is this just what we're going to be dealing with? Like now is every team going to create either an excuse or a hero story for whether they win or lose? Um, I mean, everything I've read in the national media has been, even though I'm going to spend 95% of this article talking about the, you know, actual series, I have to intro with something about the science healing scandal. I, so short answer is, yeah, I think that's still something they'll continue to talk about. Frankly, they'll continue to talk about it until the Astros get bad. So um, it won't go away until there's a sense of they've lost. So it's a good thing they're still talking about it because it means it hasn't, you know, the team hasn't declined. On the specific issue with Maldonado, the issue with the bats, uh, Major League Baseball banned the maple bats that Pujols is using because they're a slight safety hazard due to creating splinters. They're no better or worse than any other bat. It's not a problem with uh, you know, them being corked or anything. It's just, yeah, this is a safety issue. From now on, you can't use this. And by the time you get to 20, you know, 11 years later, like no one uses this except for the one guy who's stuck around forever. Um, it doesn't surprise me Maldonado didn't know that because it's probably not anything he's ever heard of as someone who came up shortly after that and not something talked about in the game today. So yeah, it's it's not a deal. It doesn't mean anything. There's probably some, you know, probably this has happened before. And, you know, same thing happened. They used it once, they made a mention of it. They said, oh, I apologize, won't do that again. And we'll move on. The other thing that was was Fromberg doctoring the ball and lots of things about now beyond the fact that there is mm-hmm. what six innings worth of video of him being checked by the umpire. I mean, this isn't a thing that happens anymore, but um, I know a lot has been made about the fact that he does change his cleats a lot and he does change his glove. And a lot of that is because he sweats. And a lot of that is because it's a nervous tick that he's using through his through his psychologist to help keep him in games mm-hmm. um, just talk a little bit about that i mean in in just how despite all the evidence of the contrary that's still a thing that's going to run and dominate part of the news cycle particularly if the astros end up winning imagine you're the mariners and you've played this guy four or five times this season and once in the playoffs and you realize oh i should have noticed this in april well yeah you know, it probably wasn't a thing. Oh, and the Mariners kind of really wanted to win one extra game this year because they were out of the playoffs by one game last year. You know, so, again, I think it's a thing by someone having, you know, paid particular attention to it, but someone who hasn't looked at Fromber throughout the season. Best sort of uh, video I saw on a discussion of this is uh, pitching the pitching into account put out a video of all of a ton of Fromber's moves from the first start of the season against the Angels, where, well, he was doing the exact same stuff because, well, as you know, as I know, he always does that stuff. I always love with Fromber. Uh, he's now, I think this is a sign of his maturity. Um, when he first came up, as soon as he got the third out of the inning, the first thing you do is take his hat off. For some reason, Fromber just hated wearing his baseball cap. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, he's just a fidgety guy. I'm a fidgety guy, so uh, respect to Fromber. Yeah, respect to Fromber. The other thing, too, is, uh, you know, they just had Steve Sparks on the radio before you and I jumped on, and he just talked about, look, when you sweat, you change your – if you're not changing your jersey, you're changing your undershirt. 
Uh, he used to do it between every inning. And I just think, again, like it's to, to, to point at this sort of larger problem we have in our culture, I know, but people, you see it in my industry all the time in the film industry, people create a victim story to explain why they're not famous. And it almost seems like Philly fan is propping themselves up for explaining why they lost a world series when frankly, if they lose, it's because they were simply outmanned and, and doesn't take away from what an amazing season they've had. Perhaps they should have offered Framber Valdez $11,000 back in the day and uh, they wouldn't be in this situation. They wouldn't be in this situation. All right, let's talk about it. Uh, we've got, again, five games left. It's a, it's a best of five series where First of all, you had your your you had the Astros in six. You still very comfortable with that with that pick? Yes. Okay, I am I am as well. And in many ways, it's playing out kind of how I ex expected. Uh, I will be honest too. I'm actually more confident going into Game Three than maybe I was Game One because you just I mean, you and I grown up knowing that these this is an Astros organization that can disappear in the playoffs pretty easily. Yeah, and it's baseball, so you know you just feel nervous and anxious no matter what, and you know. True. Um, the Phillies have moved up Noah Syndergaard to pitch in game three. You know, the Astros have faced this year when he was with the Angels. Syndergaard has sort of diminished from his Thor days, partly because he doesn't strike as many people out. So he does not look like a god of thunder and lightning anymore. He looks kind of like a really long haired Jake Odorizzi. <laughs> a guy with a lot of sinker who's got a sinker that's well faster than Jake Odorizzi, but you know, gets uh, some ground gets some ground balls, but is pretty but is pretty hittable. He is a very average pitcher. This is not a time for average pitching. So I don't expect him to be on the mound long tonight. But the Phillies really trust two guys in their bullpen. You notice in game one they brought out Ranger Suarez to face the uh, left-handed pocket. Yep. He's starting game four, so I assume he's not going to pitch tonight. So we'll get more of the underbelly of the Phillies bullpen. So the advantage shifts to the Astros. But as you mentioned before, they haven't gotten anything off the Philly bullpen. They haven't gotten anything off the non-ace pitchers. So, you know, that obviously needs to change. Yeah, and I, I think it's also really key to, I don't imagine Syndergaard's going to go more than three anyway. Um, that's been about what he's seen since he's gone to, I guess it's about September in Philadelphia. Mm -hmm. uh, but really big advantage, they can get to him early. And they can... You, I don't think Philadelphia can afford to go down to one in the third game of this series. Yeah, I mean, they can in the sense that there's no must-wins until you're down three games. Right, but, right. You know, they have – well, I think they anticipate that they need to win the Nola and Wheeler games in five and six, and they've got to find one other win between the others, the other two. Um, so one is the Astros could just win all the other games, three, four, and seven and they need to avoid not losing and they need to or you know, win one of the two like they did in game two um but the advantage certainly exists with the astros tonight one of the things that also could help the astros tonight is the rain there we, we have rain coming in i think they said around 9 30 should start to get pretty soggy i don't think you'll see the game postponed but you could see a stoppage um with the astros having two starters sitting in the bullpen is this an even more advantage to the Astros pitching staff if there is a stoppage of play for, say, an hour, and then you start again? Yeah, if you end up 
it's a little less of an advantage. I, I, I slightly disagree here. They could do that. They could bring out Luis Garcia or Jose Urquidy in like the third if they needed to, if there was a rain delay and they didn't want to bring Lance out. Um, you know, we'll see sort of how they handle it, but the Phillies aren't planning to go along with Syndergaard no matter what. So the best case scenario for the Astros is they're able to get to Syndergaard early and they're able to get him up, uh, you know, get a second time up in the Jordan Redmond Tucker pocket the lineup. I guess the best case scenario is they just score 10 and you and I flip over to, to Frazier reruns or something while the game is on. Why not 20? Well, I, you know, well hey, I'm trying not to be greedy. It is Halloween. I guess it's time, time to be greedy. All right, Brian, we will be back um, tomorrow on Go Go Astros to break down game three, which I have a, I just have a, I have a really good feeling about this team, Brian. I feel, um, you know, I think obviously 19, we really weren't doing the show then, but um I think we can all admit that we felt good about it, but then it didn't go the way we wanted. Um, I think we can, if we're honest, maybe last year we didn't feel super good about it when we got into the World Series because of the injuries, but I feel really good about this. Yeah, we're a healthy team and we're a better team. Does that play out over seven games? Not always. If that was the, if it always played out over seven games, we wouldn't be watching the Phillies um, in this World Series. But, um, you know, advantages exist with the Astros. And I think, Hey, game one felt terrible, right? Both watching, both watching the last few innings of it and just in the sense that you let one get away. And that feeling lasted until the first at bat because I don't think it lasts. I don't think the Astros, I don't think Jose Altuve, I don't think Kyle Tucker or Pick Your Random Astro woke up on uh, Saturday morning. It's like, oh, I can't believe we lost that game last night. It is, hey, we got a game today. We're going to go out and do this and I'm going to, you know, you know, well, actually, the stuff I always do, and they play like that. That actually brings me to something because uh, you know, I the number of of both of analysts, both amateur and professional, that talked about well, the Astros just seemed really casual after Game One, like it was not a big deal, and they're not showing any urgency. And I'm thinking to myself, it's baseball. Like that's the way to be. The way to be to be is as soon as the last outs recorded, that game is over. Relax, start focusing on Game Two. It really is just shows you how much people don't truly understand uh, baseball. Yeah. And part of sort of part of the difficulty with studying the psychology of teams from the outside is we have really lousy data, but we have uh, we have explanations that can work both ways. <laughs> right. They were too tight or they were too loose. Right. Are they? I don't know. And we're trying to read through lots of real subtle signs that very few of us are trained to do. And, you know, again, the reason, you know, again, we talked about Frommer having success with the sports psychologists. What did the sports psychologists do? I don't know. You know, I can just sort of see the results of that there. But it's an individual process of understanding, taking, you know, large data about sort of how human psychology works, but then applying it to individuals who are difficult and contradictory and don't always fit neatly into the large scale models. But that's why you work on an individual basis with them. Yeah, a lot of people I, wanting to see the Astros try hard in the sport where oftentimes trying isn't what works, but we will try. We're not going to try. We're going to do or do not. There is no try. We'll be back tomorrow, Brian. Thanks so for just for jumping on and go Strohs. Go Strohs. All right, and we would like to say, Andy, get better soon. We'll have you up. We'll have you back on as soon as you're feeling better.